Uh, what used to be called This Side of Happy, but I decided to change it. So now it is called Perpetually Positive, um, trying to live in a world where we can spread positivity, spread awareness on how to try and live a little better, live a little more fully, and be more with the moment. Um, I'm your host, Jeremy, and I'm going to begin this the way that I begin every episode. This should not be news if you've heard this before. Mental health is insanely important. It is important to take care of it. It is the world in which you live is all in your head. If there is a way for you to get out of your comfort zone and find a way to navigate your happiness better, then I implore you, please do it. Life's too short. To neglect something so important. I felt like focusing on something a little bit different today. I wanted to focus on one of the key pillars of what makes us human, and that is our faith, it's religion, it's blind belief. And I am a huge proponent, I am a huge advocate for living life as comfortably as you can. And if you're religious, that's great. I personally am agnostic. I can't deny the existence of any sort of spirituality or any sort of God. But I do think that religions have, at the very least, great lessons that can be learned and brought into our own lives. And I'm going to try and explore that sometimes. Uh, This episode will be on Buddhism, which is, besides Christianity, the religion that I know the most about. It was something I began to explore about a year ago after my initial diagnosis. And that was a good starting point to me figuring out how to be more mindful. So this will be the first episode in a series called Gotta Have Faith. I don't know where I'm going to go with it. I'm just doing it as I go, so... This episode will focus on Buddhism just to kind of explore what Buddhism is, where it came from, what the history is behind it, and elements of it that maybe we can pull into our own lives. So this will simply explore, first of all, what is Buddhism? What is that? Who was the Buddha? And some elements of it that really are are a great way to try and align our lives, not from a religious standpoint, but merely from a spiritual or a mental one. So the first question might be, where does Buddhism come from? Buddhism originates from what is now India near Nepal. That is where the Buddha was said to have lived 
and provided his teachings. Now, there's, of course, scholarly debate as to exactly where he may have been, where he ended up, but that's the general consensus we have. Buddha was born named Siddhartha Gautama. He was born into royalty. He had a very luxurious and lavish life. His father tried very hard to protect him from the truths of the outside world. He didn't want his son to know about illness or death or suffering in any sense. So Siddhartha was kept in the palace for his essentially his transformative years until he was almost 30 years old. So at the age of 29, he leaves the palace for the first time. He's taken by chariot to a nearby city to meet the woman he is set to marry. He was taken by chariot, and along the way, between the two cities, over the course of a couple days, may have been the same day, again, there's dispute here, he experienced what is now called the Four Sights. What he saw first was an old man... And he had never seen an old man before. He had never been exposed to the truth about aging. So this concerned him greatly because he was almost 30 and did not realize what old age looked like. Secondly, he came across an individual who was severely ill. And he had not experienced illness yet in his life. So this, of course, scared him as well, realizing that there's, an op- there's potential that we can experience pain from things that we don't even understand. And lastly, he saw a corpse on the side of the road, which taught him of death, which he did not think of death before. He hadn't thought of any of this until he saw these three individuals on the way to go meet his betrothed. A short time later, he came upon the final site, or the fourth site, which was an ascetic who was trying to find the way to end human suffering. This is ultimately what inspired Siddhartha to do this as well. He returns to his palace shortly after, and many of the events that were scheduled proceed as normal, but he cannot get the images out of his head of what he has just seen. He is plagued with fear, anxiety, and existential dread. So he retreats. He decides to pursue a life much simpler than the one he's been living. He begins to focus on meditation and limits his food and drink intake. He slowly begins to deteriorate and gets close to death, which leads him to understand that life is about moderation. Don't drink too much, don't drink too little, don't eat too much or too little. So he really begins to focus inward. He looks inside to find a way to disrupt this cycle of suffering and anxiety that plagues him. After 
a few years, a week before his 35th birthday, he meditates for seven days and seven nights. During this meditation is when he reaches enlightenment. He experiences the all-encompassing nature of being in the present moment. With no disruption, no judgment, being with it, and it being with him. So he spent the remainder of his days looking inward further and teaching and spreading awareness about how we can end our suffering. In Buddhism, we go through a cycle of what's called samsara or rebirth. We live and die and are reborn again through reincarnation. And karma follows us. How we live our lives in one life will directly affect the life that we live next. Now, as I mentioned, I'm agnostic, but I love the way this translates to how we experience suffering in life. We experience a cycle of suffering again and again and again. We live in moments of clarity and moments of happiness, and then we experience seasons of despair and grief, and then we're reborn again. Now, I will not disparage and I will not disrespect other religions on this. That is not my purpose. But I want to stress just how much we can experience in life and how we can be enlightened. And we can end our cycle of suffering today by being with the present. In Buddhism, they call it reaching nirvana. That's the liberation of suffering. And it's attained when we accept reality completely. We no longer impose our narrative of how things ought to be, but we rather accept things as they are. This leads me to another very large aspect of what makes Buddhism not only a religion, but just a way of being. There are eight Buddhist practices that are called, it's called the Eightfold Path. And taking it, whether you're Buddhist or not, is, in my opinion, one of the greatest ways to live better. The Eightfold Path begins with us changing our perspective to the right view. Our actions have consequences. We know that, in Buddhism at least, death is not the end. And what we do in this life affects the next one. What we do in this stage of suffering may affect the next one. So when we align our view with understanding that karma follows us and that it affects how we live next, whether in the next moment or in the next life. So we have to understand the weight of our actions, and that's having the right view. 
the next is the right resolve, or rather the right intention. When we shift where we operate from, from a place of hate to a place of love, that's living with right intention. We become more compassionate, we become more peaceful, and we become more still. The third is right speech, and if you heard my last episode, it's no different than the first of the four agreements, which is to be impeccable with your word, or rather have right speech. Don't lie, don't attack with your words, speak from the right place. Fourth is the right action. Do we, we must do our best not to kill or injure. We must not steal. We must not have any sexual misconduct, which kind of goes without saying. And also we mustn't attach ourselves to material desires. Material desires push us to a place of pleasure that ultimately does not lead to happiness. Fifth will be right livelihood. Now this is, again, a very subjective one. But it's recommended to intake food and drink in moderation. You may have personal preferences or personal beliefs that change your diet or causes your diet to be different than someone else's. That's fine. But to live right is a subjective matter. Sixth is one of my favorites. Um, It's to have right effort. We must help ourselves to generate a baseline or a state that is protected. If you become a positive person like I am, it gets to the point where being around negativity often is draining. I can be around people all day, but to be surrounded by negativity can cause me to withdraw or separate myself from that environment because my inner peace is very important to me. Seventh is simply right mindfulness. We become guards over our minds. We become perceivers of our minds, the observer of our minds. And to be in the right mindful state is to be attentive to emotions, thoughts, environment, and never to space or be absent-minded and to do things consciously. And lastly is the right samadhi. It reinforces the development of awakening. This all comes together whenever we meditate to that place. We bring all of that together.
and we concentrate and can find the singularity within our mind of our concentration. Not unlike when in meditation trying to focus on maybe the area above your navel or on the top of your head. You can put your consciousness in places. And to practice all eight of these brings about the path to enlightenment. So all we have to do is incorporate more mindfulness. We need to be more aware of our emotions, our thoughts, our surroundings. There are a few ways that we can do this. One is to focus on our breathing. Breathing is a good indicator of where we are at with our anxiety, with our emotions. When we put our focus on it, we tune into the inner observer that we truly are. Because it's said that we aren't our thoughts, we aren't even our emotions, but we are the observer of those things. So meditation allows us to be able to observe from that place. There's a silent stillness within us when we can watch our thoughts go by. That's what I learned about Buddhism. I've attempted to incorporate more mindfulness into my life to be able to sit and observe my emotions, observe my thoughts, instead of letting those run me. I still experience them, but from a little further back. I believe the lens through which we view the world is the way in which we experience it. If we focus on negativity, we will always notice negativity. It will bring negativity into you. But whenever you focus on positivity from inside you, it resonates outward. All of the things that we experience in life are mental. They get filtered through our lens. We know that life is suffering. But we can escape the endless cycle of death and rebirth by just taking a little bit of perspective from Buddhism. Meditate. Be with your thoughts, be with your emotions, be with the present moment. Try to live right. Try to speak right. Try to do things with the right intention. All of this is living in a better place. A place that already exists within you. It's simply up to you to tap into it. We are very powerful beings. Our minds can give us everything we want. If we decide to live a little bit differently. And I know I failed to do this last time. But if you journal now, for those of you who listen, 
if you decided that journaling was something you wanted to do. Write out the Eightfold Path. And write out three things for each one that you do now or you could be doing to live on that path. You can be a Christian, you can be Muslim, and still follow this path because it's a wonderful thing and it's a beautiful journey. So I hope at the very least you take it. Take this journey for yourself, for your own sake, for other people's sakes, to tap into your potential a little bit more, and just to feel a little more alive. I can't say what my next episode will be about. I've been doing this for a month, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm not sure who all hears this. I'm not sure if this resonates with anybody. But I'm learning. And I'm challenging myself. And I hope you do too. There's a lot of life to live. So I hope you get out there and do it. Because no one else is going to do it for you. I appreciate all of you so much for even giving me a chance. And I will never stop saying that. Even if there's only a couple people who listen to this, that's fine. But it means a lot, and I hope that it helps. And as always, I will talk to you next time.